0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the shop notes podcast. Today is episode 49. I'm your host, Phil Huber. I'm joined today by John Doyle and Logan Whitmer. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about taking care of your tools. Also, what about modifying your tools? So it's kind of a fun discussion about uh, how we view our tools and how do we use them in our own workshops. So I hope you enjoy listening. Just a reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Inventables, a new CNC solution for your business. Make bigger projects faster with the X-Carve Pro. You can see it in action at xcarvepro.com. It's hard to believe that this is episode 49. Right, almost a in, year. Yeah. When will it end? Yeah. 2020 or the podcast? Both <laughs> we didn't stop at episode 50, right? All I know is we didn't have
1: these problems in the world before we started podcasting. That's true. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Although, to be I, fair, like podcasting kind of gives us something to
1: do. Well, I, I do it from home, you guys are right in yeah. the office, but yeah, you're gonna sit in your shop and talk anyway, so might as well record myself.
0: <laughs> Might as well talk to somebody. Yeah. (laughs) I will say, I don't think that uh, I personally blame the Iowa caucuses. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's where everything went south. Yeah, Yeah. because we couldn't figure out. It was a nice bookend for the year because we start the year not knowing how to count an election, and we end the year with people wondering whether we know how to count an election. Great. (laughs) yeah you know with a pandemic like sandwiched in the middle like the cream filling of an oreo mm-hmm. i don't like
2: the cream filling of an oreo either so like <laughs> it just is full circle
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep i always tell my wife if i could buy oreo cookies without the
1: filling i would like hate mm. me all you want but i would because yeah they do oreos that are like super thick or super thin now but it's just like just the cookies is the yeah. next iteration. Yeah. yeah, and I think it'd be fantastic.
0: Cause I have a, a couple of nieces that will not eat Oreos unless they're the birthday cake Oreos. Mm. Which to those. me kind of makes me throw up a little bit in the back of my mouth. And then uh, I don't know, John would remember, this was long before Logan was of age, but uh, on the TV show, Was it Don or Brian would bring in double stuffed Oreos? I think
1: Brian, that sounds like a Brian thing.
0: Yeah. And I just, yeah. And I just can't do double stuff even. It's just too much. See for me is
1: double stuff is like the baseline now. Like That's the (laughs) regular stuff.
2: (laughs) See, I like the ratio or if I'm gonna have, like I don't, I just don't care for the texture of the filling. Like the taste is fine. fine. I just, it's like an oily, weird, fake, filling. It's like Little lard thing. with sugar. Little yeah, Basically, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's whipped Crisco <laughs> with sugar. <Yeah. laughs> like gross. <laughs> but there are certain ratios, right? Like double mm-hmm. stuffed is too heavy ratio. I can do regular, right? Regular Oreos, good ratio. Same thing with peanut butter cups. Like peanut, regular peanut butter cups, okay ratio. You go to Easter egg, peanut butter cups, perfect ratio. Oh yeah. Cause that means oh, yeah. a little
0: heavier on the peanut butter side. It does. Yeah. Perfect ratio, which I'm not so a huge you, peanut
2: butter fan, but perfect
0: ratio. So right you're now. a chocolate in your peanut butter rather than a peanut butter in your chocolate. That's of. right. That's okay. right. So are we
2: talking about woodworking today?
0: So we might. Do we have we to? No, okay. I will have to. <laughs> we're closing in at the end of the year. People are kind of winding down a little bit. Anyway, this is these last few of the year should be a little celebratory. And right. Yeah. This is everybody, when we start coasting. Yeah. yeah.
2: Everybody's given up on us already. We might as well give up on ourselves right. too.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have my sweatpants on. Gave up on life. Mm-hmm. So okay. So the today's topic. Um, what was it? We were talking about something as a group, I don't remember where it came up with, or somebody had just kind of mentioned how you take care of your tools. Because there are the, on one hand, there are folk that look at their tools as mystical artifacts that need to be pampered, so to speak. Sure. Cared for immaculately. And then there are the people who view all chisels as pavement splitters, (laughs) you know, leave them out in the rain. Yep. Refer to sharpening with a question mark at the end of it. (laughs)
2: Uh, Sharpen on a concrete slab.
0: Yeah. So that's where I was kind of wanted to go with this is uh, maybe how each of us has viewed our tools in the past and, you know, like, where are you now in terms of how you see your tools or whatever? And then the corollary of it is how free do you feel to modify tools? Okay.
2: Okay.
0: Anybody, go. Uh
2: So I, my hand tools, I don't pamper them. Um, I'm, I'm looking right now if I'm, if I feel if you guys feel like I'm looking above you, I'm looking at my tool cabinets right now. I don't pamper them. I have holders made for all my, yep. Right behind you, Phil. Uh, I have holders made for all my hand tools. Um, my saw, I have saw till my chisel holders, my, uh, different coping and fret saws, you know, my nicer hand tools. I treat them with respect. So okay. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. Um, do they get wiped down with oil after every time I use them? No, they don't. Um, do I leave them out in the garage if I if I take a uh, block plane into the garage to clean up some lumber quick to check the grain before I bring it inside? No, I don't leave it in the garage. I bring it back inside. Um, so I guess with my, with my hand tools, I, I generally... I, I treat them as users, um, but I appreciate a well-made hand tool um, and I have no problem purchasing a well-made hand tool, um, but I'm not purchasing, you know, my blue spruce chisel set. You know, I have what, six of them? They're they're an expensive chisel set, but I use them like any other chisel set that I use, um, except for my Stanley Fat Max, That's my glue scraper. um so so i guess what i'm getting at is when when i purchase a tool a hand tool in particular i purchase it to use it um i'm not the type of guy uh that is a collector of hand tools. i try not to be a collector of hand tools uh which i think most collectors lean towards that don't use them sure you know what i mean um i'm very much a if it if it doesn't get used it doesn't have a place in my shop i mean That's kind of where I have went in my, uh, tool. I don't want to say tool collecting, but in my, in my tool purchases. And it's been a long path to get to that point for myself to get to that point where I realize if I don't use it, I don't need it. And if I don't use it, I don't want it in my shop because it's another thing in my shop cluttering it. Right. Um, as far as like my power tools, um, You know, I know there are guys that will dust off their tools. They'll blow them off, vacuum them off every time they use them. You know, they follow the, if it's an old, um, if it's an old router, they'll replace bearings every couple of years in them. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Um, I I don't want to say that I feel like my power tools are more disposable than my hand tools, but I wouldn't argue with that. Um, you know, I have a whole lot less affinity for as much, as much as I love my Bosch Colt router. And that's not the tool I'm grabbing. You know, last week we talked about what tool you're grabbing when you bring, if your shop's on fire, now I grab my Bosch router, you know, <laughs> um, to me, that's a, uh, a, a pretty mm-hmm. <clears throat> low, low thing on my totem pole. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. That seems like the case with, things like hand tools with motors or batteries. It's like the batteries die and that's the most expensive part of, yeah. you know, those tools or motors go out and then it's just kind of you know, worthless. You kind of take the care of them best you can, but they wear out a lot faster than well-made hand tools. Yeah. Well, so. and, you know, and like my larger power tools, um,
2: so like my, my bandsaw, my table saw, um, those ones, I mean, I, I do take care of them. So they do get periodic waxings. Um, you know, I know a lot of people always say, ah, oh, yeah, you should wax your table saw once every couple of months. I actually do because mm-hmm. that table saw, my saw stop was the most expensive tool I've ever purchased, the saw metal side. Um, that's the most expensive tool I've ever purchased. So yeah, I'm trying to keep it nice. So I wax the mm-hmm. top. Um, I don't generally try to put stuff on it. I say that and make sure there's nothing sitting on it right now. I don't generally, I don't generally try to put stuff on it. That's going to scratch it. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's going to happen. And when it does, whatever, I'm not going to cry over spilled milk, but I try to keep it looking pretty decent, looking as Mm -hmm. nice as I can, because I do. I'm the type of guy that I like my tools to look good. I feel better about using them. If my tools are in good shape, you know what I mean? Um, So I guess, you know, Long roundabout answer to your question, Phil, I like my tools to look good. I don't care if my power tools are dusty, but I don't, if, if I drop my router and I crack the base plate on it, I'm going to go buy a new base plate for it. Right. Instead of gluing it together and fixing it. I guess that's kind of
1: where, where I fall. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if you like wax your tools regularly, they're going to look a lot better in a swimsuit. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they will. John, that was a walk off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, but you know, I mean, you guys get what I mean, though, right? Like, right. The tool does perform better if it's waxed. Um yeah. am I going to if you know uh the if I scratch up the the paint on the table of my bandsaw am I going to go out and buy PowerMatic touch-up paint? Nope. cuz I don't I mean <laughs> it it doesn't affect it that much. You know, uh there are there are you know, so I had this happen with my um, my first Lee Nielsen's that I ordered. I ordered a number seven, a four and a half, and a scrub plane, all in one order, right? And I got the four and a half, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was standing in the um, editor shop uh, when we used to have the CNC room used to be our editor shop. And I, I was like, ah, yeah, you know, I, I had a couple other Lee Nielsen, like block planes and other Lee Nielsen tools, but this is the first time I had actually sold all my vintage tools to buy a couple nice oh. Lee Nielsen's. And I grabbed this four and a half and we had a uh, piece of curly maple. Um, it was, just, it was a huge chunk. I don't know if it was from the, it must've been from like the uh, smartphone amps or something like that. And oh, I was yeah. like, all right. This is a good test. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to plane this bad boy and see what this thing can do. And I made a couple passes, and I looked at the soul, and the skull, The soul had scratch lines on it. I was like, what the heck? You know, like, I've never, you know, brand new, first time I used it, I was like, there's nothing, I mean, I'm planing Curly Maple. It kind of bothered me a little bit that the soul got scratched up, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I quickly got over it because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use this thing. And who cares if the soul gets a little scratched up? I mean, if I cared that much, I would throw it on some 600 grit sandpaper and smooth back out.
0: Yeah. You know, you'd be doing that that, like every time you used it.
2: Well, exactly. And you know, that's, I always tried to baby my, my planes, keep the totes all nice, you know, avoid dings in the totes. I would, if I had to bring them in for a a video or a, a photo or something I would put them in my toolbox all nice so the handles didn't get dinged and now I'm like boom drop it in there I'm going all Chris Fitch on my tools and just kind of throwing <laughs> them in you know <laughs> because I mean honestly they're they're tools I like them right. I love them I use them all the time um, but they're tools I'm going to use them um, like I said I, I will avoid as much damage to them as I can not gonna leave them in the garage where they might, you know, uh, get some rust on them. Not gonna do that. But at the end of the day, they're tools. As long as they perform, that's what I need.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. So, how do you guys feel about modifying stuff? Like for me, I have a hard time drilling holes like in my cast iron tops to add stuff on or
2: because <laughs> your drill bits way. are dull.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just have a hard time doing it. No, I just, it's like I'm trying to think of like if I've ever modified any power tool or anything like that, like, you know, hand tools like or old, you know, chisels or screwdrivers, you know, grind those down into other things, but I don't know. have a hard time. Otherwise messing with stuff too much.
0: See, and I have... All of my tools are used to begin with my machines and power tools. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't really feel, and they're not, they're in user condition. They're not any kind Mm -hmm. of mint fully restored factory spec kind of condition. So I have no, no qualms about doing stuff. The bandsaw, um, that I'm trying to sell is, has an aluminum cast aluminum table on it. And when I made the rip fence for it, I wanted a support, well, A, I needed to be able to attach the rip fence to that table somehow. And then on the back side of the table, I added a long rail to support the fence for when, you know, when the fence is off to the left and it's beyond where the table is. And I didn't know how to attach it because there were some holes in the table that came that way and I just, they weren't in the right spot and, whatever so I was talking to Chris about it and he's like just drill a hole in it you know like it's just (laughs) it's just a tool table and being cast aluminum the nice part was is that the hole drilled really easily and then I you know ran a tap into it and then I was able to thread it on and then I didn't have to mess with you know lock nuts and washers and stuff on the other side I could just thread it right into the table. And be done with it. So I don't have any problem mm-hmm. with doing that. And I think, I think the gateway drug to modifying power tools is with jigs. You know, you start making jigs for it yeah. for you know like a router or table saw or drill press, um, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, removing the depth stop and making a custom depth stop for it, or you know, that
2: kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think the modifications, you can, I think you can argue this with anything that you would modify, right? Um, Vehicles, tools, whatever, like the manufacturers designed them this way for a specific reason, right? Now, there are instances where I'm sure routers get used in ways that router manufacturers don't want them to be used or... Didn't intend them to be used, uh, yeah. but from that standpoint, I am always one to generally not modify a tool if I can help it. Um, okay. It's funny that funny that we're we're talking about this today because last night I was uh, so I've been on a uh, I've been on a YouTube bend. Um, my <laughs> wife and. <laughs> My wife and oldest are gone uh, for a couple of days. So the youngest and I are kind of hanging out, and I'm on the YouTube, Ben. Uh, and I was watching some stuff uh, with, um, oh, it was Michael, actually, Michael Fortune is who it was um, in, in his shop up in, I think, Toronto. And they have, <laughs> in, in Michael's shop, they have, I think they have like four craftsmen in Michael's shop, but they have like eight bandsaws. Right. Like they got out, they have a ton of them and it's hilarious because they're all, almost all of them are like old Canadian made generals. Right. Uh, he, and he has a, he has a handful of different ones, but I noticed that almost all of them have the Craig fence on them. The Craig bandsaw offense. Right. right. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's, we have, I think Phil does the, the saw you have now has it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a nice fence. Um, I don't personally. So I have the Powermatic 14 inch. I don't like the the stock fence. Like it feels like it feels like Powermatic said, "Hey, here's a pretty solid saw. That's all we're gonna do." Like the fence is kind of an afterthought. Like, oh, maybe we should put a fence on there, or they let the interns design the fence. Like, yeah, nobody really needs that. So I started looking at the, uh, the Craig or I, I, not necessarily the Craig fence, but I started looking at aftermarket fences last night. Um, and there's, there's a couple different manufacturers that make them, but every one of them has that little disclaimer that you may need to drill the cast iron table on your bandsaw. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do that. A I hate drilling in the cast iron. It's stupid and it sucks, but B it's like, do I really want to put a bunch of holes? in the the saw table and i I might find one that fits in the the stock holes but it's just like it was one of those things it's like i don't know how i feel about that which is funny because we start talking about my sawmill i'll bolt anything to that bad boy (laughs) like and i don't know I don't know where the the distinction comes from in my mind, or it's like, it's okay to do it to the the sawmill. Not okay to do it to my bandsaw, you know, but even into the edge of the table. So it's not even a working
0: surface. Uh,
2: Exactly. And, and you know, when it comes down to it, if I buy a bandsaw fence for it, or if I sneak an article into the magazine where I can get a bandsaw fence that will bolt onto it, uh, at the end of the day, sure. I'll do it, but uh, for some reason in my head I'm just like mm, drilling into my pretty nice bandsaw. Don't mm-hmm. know how I feel about that. So I don't know. I it's just like the uh, my my table saw behind me. Uh, Shop notes at one point had designed a sliding table. Right. for mm-hmm. uh, it was actually designed to fit on the Powermatic um, contractor saw uh, but I've always wanted a slider and I'm like I could take the wing off that thing and bolt it on build one and bolt it on and that would mm-hmm. be awesome um, and I don't remember but I think you have to drill into the side well on the Powermatic you had to drill into the side of the, the saw to bolt mm-hmm. it on Yeah, and I'm like mm, I don't
1: know how I feel about mm-hmm. this <laughs> I just yeah I think I'm, maybe I'm always, it's the fear that it's like, oh, I'm gonna maybe someday take this off, and then those holes are gonna be there, and I'm just gonna have to look at them with shame. Yeah, <laughs> the shame. Well,
2: just you know, it. and most of the and most of the time when I when I do modify a tool, I would say my biggest like modification. I generally, I don't modify hand tools. I know a lot of people do. A lot of people will grind a a chisel into a skew chisel or a fishtail. I just haven't. Yeah, Phil, I've, uh, I'm anal retentive enough that if I want a fishtail chisel, I'll probably buy one to match my other chisels just because Mm -hmm. I'm OCD like that. Um, But as far as my modifications go, I like stuff I can just bolt on to existing holes and then take it off. You know, like, um, my, my Bosch Colt is actually up in my, um, truck right now. But if, if I can just bolt it to those existing plate holes, that's what I'm going to do. And I, would you call that modification? Probably not. It's an add on, but you know, yeah, I don't
0: know. Today's episode, just as a reminder, is brought to you by Inventables. Now, in addition to a bunch of the CNC gear and equipment and know how that Inventables offers, they have a couple of CNC solutions. And there's a new one coming out, uh, a larger format CNC machine that they're calling the X-Carve Pro. So you can uh, take a look at their website for all their other solutions at inventables.com or look dedicated at their site for the CNC at xcarvepro.com.
1: Yeah, Phil, you've made some uh, chisel handles here right. lately. And I don't know if that's a modification or upgrade because you were replacing yeah. plastic handles
0: yeah, the, with wood was ones. A, so. Yeah, it was a set of chisels that I got from my wife when we got married. And uh, they were... I mean, the chisels themselves are pretty nice. The handles were okay, but I just like the look and feel of a wood handle. And mm-hmm. um, for years, I had thought about trying to do it and never really pulled the trigger on it. But yeah, I would count that as a as a modification. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've also, you know, like what Logan said, I took a yeah handle that looks just like very similar to the one that Logan's showing there. Uh, uh, I took a half inch chisel that and I ground it into a skew chisel because I didn't have a skew chisel and you know it's not not that big a deal to do on the on the grinder to change the angle on it um, and I wasn't really out anything because it was a low-cost chisel uh, you know one thing that made me <laughs> that kind of got me a little bit more interested in thinking about modifying tools, was Chris Fitch uh, for Shop Notes? We did a a project of making your own block plane, and the sides of the block plane were made from Damascus steel, so it has that really cool, you know, grain pattern or whatever you want to call it in there. And he had a prototype that he had mocked up, and it just kind of sat because there were some flaws in it, and I took it because this is the kind of person I am, a rescuer of things, and thought I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say FB. No, because it was just going to get chucked. You know, he had just the, <laughs> the soul dovetailed to it. And... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I was going to finish the plane. I had written the article for it. Um, but where the, the, the mouth of the plane, where it met the Damascus sides, had some burrs and just... You know, from peening the dovetails had some, I don't know, just inconsistencies and bulges and whatever. And I was talking to Chris on like what to do with it at that point because, you know, what what can I do to fix it? Because it was tough to get a file in there because otherwise you start filing the opposite side of the mouth and that's not any good. And Chris was like, well, here's what I would do is you take a chisel And you grind like a 45 or a 50 degree bevel on it. And then you squeeze the body of the block plane in a vise and you basically pare away the steel with your sharpened chisel. And when he was describing this, I was just kind of (laughs) like, you can pare steel. With a chisel, that just didn't make any sense. But Chris said it, so it's gotta be right, you know. So mm-hmm. I tried it. I had just kind of a junky chisel and you know, and you don't need much of it's not like you're creating a huge bevel to get 45 degrees, you just kind of buzz it right up there. And I did it, and you know, you just kind of brace the chisel against mm-hmm. your chest and lean into it. And I was taking steel shavings with a chisel. And, and the funny part was, is so you get done with that, then you just go back over to the grinder, regrind it down to 25 degrees, and it's your woodworking chisel again. You know, it kind of like put its Clark Kent glasses and suit back on and.
1: Like nothing ever happened.
0: Yeah. 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 You know,
2: now that, now that I'm thinking about it, of course, this is typical (laughs) Logan fashion. My mouth's running faster than my brain is. You guys have never seen that before. You're right because I do have a handful of chisels that I've done that with. Um, I've shown actually shown a couple on video for using the blunt yeah, from Bill Carter chisel yeah. technique that you know Bill Carter talks about, which is using a yeah using like a a, a chisel that's ground at ninety degrees. It's not sharp, but the bottom corner works really well as a scraper. Uh, I've done that on a handful of chisels, a handful of gouges as well. So like some. Uh, um, you know, half inch radius of gouges to the shape wedges on, um, planes. Uh, same thing with this, you know, this, this slick I was holding up earlier. Um, this had a little stubby handle on it from the manufacturer. And I was like, you know what? I want a little bit longer handle. This one kind of matches the shape that we did, uh, you yeah. know, your chisels and my chisel handles out of Phil. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, if you consider that a modification, yeah, I'm making a little bit bigger, longer handle because I thought it was going to become more comfortable for myself to use. Um, and there is one, I don't know if uh, you guys will be able to see that if I spin my camera, let me do that quick. So over here on my sharpening station, I have that, uh, that um, Rycon slow speed grinder, right? So it's right next to my bench vice or my machinist vice. And on the ground is my somewhere is my tormac okay, and when my tormac, well my my rikon version of the tormac is sitting up there, I have the I have the wolverine sure. grinding jig for turning tools. Um, everything was too tight, and I didn't I didn't think this out when I when I put that bench in between the two stands it was, everything was too tight. The handles wouldn't go out mm. into the locked position. They were too long. Um, they were running into the stuff. So grab my hacksaw and now that those handles are two inches shorter each, <laughs> they work perfect. So, you know, and I I don't know, I kind of sat there for a second and thought to myself, do I really want to cut these handles off or do I just put that Rycon grinder for my turning tools right in the middle of that bench? And when I need to use the wet grinder, I just pull it out from underneath. And I was like, you know, that's stupid. Like, yep. don't be a wuss. Cut those handles off, you know? So yeah. that's what I did. So, you know, and I, I guess in the world of turning to, there's a lot of times where we will modify a tool for a very particular yep. cut. Right. So, so from that standpoint, you know, um, and at, the, at that point, generally what I do, is I don't, I don't like to modify my, my nice tools, um, because a lot of the time these are tools that I'm not going to use all the time, very much like your, like your skew chisel, right? Like you don't use that all the time. Um, but like, uh, for example, I, I recently, um, just like two weeks ago, went out and hit a a flea market that I knew often had one vendor had a lot of turning tools there a lot of times. And they're, they're the, the, less expensive like delta brand or uh, buffalo brand whatever a couple dollars three or four dollars and i need a spindle gouge to create a beading tool um so i'm gonna do a couple bowls that have like the beehive rolled beads all the way up the side so i needed needed a spindle gouge to just grind off and make a a beading tool and i'm like i'm not gonna do that to my nice doug thompson one like i'll do that to a cheap cheap delta one that i paid four dollars for and is it as good as if I went out and bought a Robert Sorby beating tool? No. Yeah. Does it work? Especially for same? what
0: you need yep, it for.
2: It sure does. You know, like, yeah, I might have to. Sh- exactly. And I might have to sharpen it a little bit more um, than I would if I bought a higher quality steel one. But I don't care. I mean, I'm like, yeah. like you said, for what I'm using it for, it's perfect. So, I mean, do you, do you, as you, Grind your chisel at 45 degrees to pair metal, for example. Does that bother you that you're eating away at uh, some of the steel on your chisel? Or do you just not foresee yourself using it yeah. that much? No, because like it's using not like I've done steel. it a bunch of times yes.
0: to make it matter. And I guess I view it okay. as, you know, that chisel yeah. is going to outlast me anyway. No matter what I'm doing, unless I'm using it sure. to split pavers. You know, or
2: yeah, well, it's yeah, I mean, that, that was an issue I've always had with with turning tools. And it's something that I was I, I kept hearing when I first started turning. It's like, oh, save save the steel, like use a CBN wheel because you don't it doesn't eat through as much steel as a traditional. Yeah, traditional wheel will. And I'm like, like, yeah. who's going to be sharpening their tools that much that you're going to eat through your your steel? All of a sudden, I start doing a lot of turning. <laughs> my tools are two inches shorter than they used to be. It's like, oh, crap. So you know, when, you, when you talk about re-grinding a, a bevel to do a particular task, that's the first thing that jumps to my mind. Is like, ah, are you going to eat through yeah. all that hardened steel? I guess it's I don't that, know.
0: That's a, at, it's that point where I think of what Chris said is that it's just a tool and it's meant to be. If you're just grinding and grinding away on it, you know, like when you were a kid and you stood at the pencil sharpener and mowed a pen down into a stub, you know, then it's becoming wasteful. But if it's in the service of getting that tool back into service, that's just just the price of it, you know. I feel like I feel like <clears throat> that's worthwhile, you know. Yeah. And you know, I know that carvers will modify carving gouges to you know, change the bevel angle or the sweep, or, you know, make a a gouge more of a left-hand wing or a right-hand wing or something like that all the time. And I think even, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't really call it modifying a tool, but if you take a chisel, which has a primary bevel of 25 degrees, and you notice that the edge rolls often on it, and then you sharpen it instead at 30 or 35, you know have you modified it i would say you probably have that's where it starts you know or replacing the handle or you get a, a hand plane a vintage hand plane that you're fixing up but the tote is cracked you know if you replace the tote you've modified the tool you know or return a knob on yeah, it that's or true. you know the frog is cracked so you find another frog that fits on it or you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I've had a couple of hand saws where I replaced the handle on it. Not that the previous handle was necessarily bad or wrong. Yep. You know, one was cracked or broken or something like that. But, you know, you make a shape that suits you or in a material that you like, or you just like doing it. You know, and I feel like it's the same thing for for power tools. Yes. You know, like that, that bandsaw that I was talking about earlier um all the adjustments for the blade guides and the um blocks and all that stuff was uh allen wrenches and i think it was two or three different size allens for you know to deal with all of that and it's just stupid because i don't want to have to go hunting around in the shop for those allen wrenches um So, what I did is I pulled all the Allen screws out and replaced them with thumb screws. So, I don't need a wrench at all, you know, you can just do it all by hand. You know, nothing on that, on the bandsaw guide assemblies requires you to have it wrenched tight. You know, so, yeah, which I've
2: done. Yeah, I've done that on my Powermatic too. Um, the Powermatic I have uh, actually came from our old video studio and it was kind of a donor tool. Uh, it was it was one that had been <laughs> stripped down and it was sitting on cinder blocks when I got it and missing a lot of parts. And you're right, there was a lot of Allen screws for the the um, bearing assembly that I just replaced all with home screws because that's stupid. I hate yeah. Allen wrenches. I hate Allen wrenches on my tools. So, but I guess the whole point of me modifying a tool is to give me, if I do modify it, grinding handles aside to make that fit uh, It's generally sure. to give me a better experience, right? Um, so thinking about some of the modifications that I have done or am going to do to the sawmill to make it easier to use make it more convenient to use and make it faster. So I guess that's, there may be some aesthetic modifications you can make, like making a a new handle for a saw. That's an aesthetic modification, right? Um, Generally, I don't mess with that um, just because I have other stuff that I should be doing instead. but usually it's to either fix something that's broke, such as the handle on this on this slick. I think was was split yeah. right down the center of it, so it was not usable. Um, so generally, it's to to fix something that's broke or mm-hmm. to give me a better experience yeah. or give me a better result.
0: And also know that there's a. I don't know, in the computer gadget world or even in the car world, there are people who, you know, kind of consider that you don't really own something until you've opened it up and yeah. done something to it, you know? Yep. And I think that there's a, there's a case to be made for that for a lot of woodworking tools. You know, like you could buy a vintage bandsaw, drill press or table saw or something like that, swap out the stock motor for the motor that somebody actually cared about making, you know, to get better speed or less yeah. vibration, you know, better power or whatever, you know, changing the belt to something that isn't a, you know, lowest bidder kind of belt on it.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like when you guys have made modifications, it's like you get something and like, I'm going to change that right away, or is it you use it for a while and like, oh, I maybe it would be better if I did this or be more comfortable or work better or yeah, do a different um, task or
0: unless I knew that there were there was a flaw to begin with. You know, like yeah. you could buy a an old power tool, for example, knowing that the motor is shot or the motor was undersized to begin with, and that's part of the appeal because you're getting it for twenty five dollars instead of one hundred and twenty five dollars. Then you can yeah. buy a decent motor on it, and it's an instant upgrade. But most of the time, I'm I'm living with the tool a little bit before, so that I know, so that the the modify modification become comes from a point of need. Mm-hmm. In yeah. terms of the way I work or what I'm doing or what I'm what I want from this particular tool.
2: Yeah, I would say the only time that I ever do something immediately is exactly like Phil said, is if you know something's wrong, like the table saw I bought from Dylan, <laughs> that I knew the motor was, was probably shot and it was and yeah, you know, something like that. The only thing I ever do immediately um, on almost every tool if it doesn't have it already is I switch out the V belts for the, the driving Link belts. belts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's about the only thing I will do immediately, even if the belt doesn't really need replaced. Um, generally, I had bought like a 10 pack from, there was a, it was like a woodworker's garage sale in Altoona here. Um, and I bought a 10 pack. He had like a box of 10 of them. So I, I had wow. a handful of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why, uh, but some of those, some of those older, like unisaws had three drive belts on them yeah. to connect the the trunnion or the the arbor with the motor. Um, so he had a bunch of them. So I, I swapped out um, on my old table side, old steel city, um, I swapped that one, my old rigid drill press i swapped that one out you know so i just feel like it drives a little bit better Mm -hmm. um so that's the only time that i go into something saying hey i haven't even turned this on i'm gonna swap it first yeah um when it comes to you know like switching the motor on drill press or a bandsaw or a table saw that's to me that's completely need driven yeah um And most of the time, at least upgrading a motor to a higher horsepower motor, it's probably in my, in my case, not worth the cost. You know, like, unless you can find a used motor that happens to fit and and motors have, you know, just, this is just in motors in particular, they happen to have different mounting styles mounting plates some of them are suspended some of them are hinge style some of them bolt directly to a plate um for instance that tableside bought from dylan um i paid him a couple hundred bucks for it and a new motor was going to be six hundred dollars and i couldn't find a used one the only used ones i could find on ebay were like three phase industrial motors and i could get yeah. them for two or three hundred dollars but they're three phase i would need a, a variable frequency drive to, to run them so it's stuff like that or unless my bandsaw motor goes out to me it's not worth the investment to replace that motor for a couple hundred dollars um, yeah. if that's the ins- if that's the case i would rather pocket that couple hundred dollars sell my bandsaw and buy a larger bandsaw if that's if that's the instance if the motor goes out it goes out that's
0: a different scenario altogether yeah yeah i mean i did buy uh a small i remember what it was it's a stanley 110 i think it was a montgomery Ward's version of a block plane because i saw in uh in an old popular woodworking, somebody had submitted as a tip where they, because those planes are so abundant yes. of changing that block plane into a rabbit block plane by sure. cutting a rabbit mouth in one side wall and then grinding a notch in the blade. And then you just basically scoot the blade over inside the plane so yep. that it will basically turn it into a one sided rabbiting block plane Mm -hmm. I thought that looked kind of cool so I did it I found a plane and I this one needed a new it has a wood knob on the front so I made a new knob for it but cut that hole and modified the blade and did all the stuff for it and then I had even uh, drilled holes in the body of the plane to put little set screws so I could keep the blade where it needed to be because it's not sure perfectly centered in there yeah so that plane you know i did that going into it just because i wanted to try it because it looked like it was a ton of fun and oddly enough it works like a champ you know it was kind of a fun way to take a tool that you know that plane block plane isn't bad but it's not good either you know
2: (laughs) that's always how i judge my tools is it is it good or is it
1: not good yeah
0: it's not half bad yeah it's so not I, half bad so i took a middling tool and made it into you know a rabbiting yeah. block plane and with a sharp blade it does a great job it's kind of yeah kinda fun to
2: well, and see, I, I guess from a hand tool standpoint, that that's the perfect tool, in my opinion, to do that with. You know what I mean? And now that you say that, I've actually, I have saved somewhere on my computer picture of a a one ten. I, I have a one ten sitting somewhere. But anyways, um, somebody had bolted on; they had drilled holes in the in the sole and bolted on forty five degree guides to make it like a chamfer plane. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great idea because 110s are basically the rabbits of the hand tool world, right? (laughs) Like they just, you put two of them in a cabinet, all of a sudden you have 40 of them. Yeah. And they're super abundant. Nobody's going to cry unless it's a real early one. Nobody's going to cry that you modified the tool. So yeah, that's the perfect instance for that. Yeah. So I wouldn't do that to my Lee Nielsen block plane.
0: No, but. But You know, I've seen people take old hand saws, you know, where it's a, you know, an old full length rip saw that's kinda been sharpened 9,000 times. And instead of it being a 26 inch long saw, they'll shorten it to a 22 and basically put it into a panel saw, you know, where you just cut down the nose and regrind it and, you know, that stuff isn't terribly difficult to do and, you know, there's just a ton of those kind of tools out there. You know, chisels are yeah, perfect well, and, tools to modify because there's yeah, millions. And s- some of this leans
2: into the, you know, you're modifying it, but you're also saving it. You know what I mean? At the same time, like yeah. like that instance, we've all seen them. The the big long rip saws that have now the saw, the saw, lot, the tooth line is like a, it's like a rainbow, right? Cause it's been sharpened a thousand times just in the center because that's where somebody that's where saw it does. at. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's a great save in my opinion. You know, the other option is to cut it into card scrapers, mm-hmm. perfectly valid, you know, perfectly yeah. valid and I've, I've done that. I mean, I've bought, I've bought distant D8 rip saws because i wanted the handle because the handle was beautiful but the plate was shot you know it's like i i know i can sell that handle to somebody that needs that for their saw and they can then have a complete saw and i have a plate that i'm just going to chop into card scrapers perfect you know um it kind of falls along the same lines of you know and this (laughs) i think when people first see this they kind of get upset about it but bill carter has always made his little tiny miter planes out of brass sawbacks. Yeah. And uh, those of us in the US, vintage brass saw, brass back saws are fairly uncommon. You don't see a ton of them.
0: Yeah,
2: Over there, they're the rabbits of the hand tool world. You know, like... Yeah. and, And Bill said it in one of his YouTube videos. He's like, you know, people always throw a fit about me having buckets five gallon buckets full of brass sawbacks he's like i get it and the only thing that's left is the brass sawback the plates all rusted out there's holes in the plates you know he's like why not you know why not reuse it and make it into something cool so you know when it comes to modification i think you're leaning into a saving territory too you're saving a tool (laughs) by modifying it to make it into something useful
0: yeah oh yeah feel like there was something else that i was going to say about that but i think and what it is another thing is that if you dig into a tool enough to modify it you understand it on a totally different level i believe and know how to get more out of it and understand its function and its uses in a different way than if you're simply an operator of a tool yeah You know, I, I will
2: say it does hurt my tool seller soul a little bit (laughs) when, when I walk into a flea market and there is a tool that I know what the tool is, but it's been modified in some way for a very particular reason. And I can't figure it out. Oh, (laughs) sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like what's the story here? Yeah. Well, yeah, and and I think it's kind of, it's kind of cool in some regards. And there's there's uh, there's a flea market or a vintage uh, a antique store here in town called Brass Armadillo, and there's one tool in there that I just can't figure out what it is. And there's a couple people on some of our uh, vintage tool Facebook groups that are also in Des Moines, and they've taken the photo of the same tool a bunch. And everyone's like what is that and like nobody knows what it is and it's like you could see parts of a certain tool on it like okay those are you know that's the lever cap of a like a stanley 220 but like we don't know what the rest of it is and obviously somebody made it for some reason yeah it's like i just you can't figure it out so yeah that hurts my it hurts my tool seller soul <laughs> a little bit to see that um, you know, it's different seeing something you know what it is, like yeah. somebody bolting on chamfer guides. Okay, I get that. I see what that is. Or, you know, I always like when I find a like a Stanley number seven, or I mean, it doesn't have to be a Stanley, but a number seven jointer plane, and somebody has drilled holes in the sides to bolt on a plywood fence so they have a 90 degree fence on it. It's like, I get what they did. Yeah. Kind of ruined the value of it. I mean, not necessarily. It's still a usable tool. Um, right. but it, it, You now have holes in your plane, uh, which at that point, whoever did that didn't give two turds on the resale value of it. (laughs) They knew that they couldn't get a ninety degree edge, and they needed help,
0: so they got help. (laughs) So, and I feel like that's a better use of the tool than having it bolted to the wall of a Cracker Barrel. Yep, don't get us. Let's not start on that. So, (laughs) all right, so. Anybody who's been listening and has made it this far, congratulations. But we'd like to know what your opinions are on making and modifying tools for yourself. And maybe submit a couple of photos of what you've done to modify either your power tools or your workshop machines or your hand tools. And we'll post them with the show notes page uh, for this episode. Otherwise, Wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play or SoundCloud or wherever, we'd love to hear from you. So give us a review and a rating. Help us get the Shop Notes podcast in front of more woodworkers like you. Otherwise, catch us again next week. See you next time on the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody. I wanna give another special thanks to Inventables who sponsored this episode of the podcast. They're providing a new CNC solution for your business. You can make bigger projects faster with the X-Carve Pro. You can check it out in action at xcarvepro.com.